When you feel like you're a man is low, do you know the reason why? And when you don't know the reason why, does it make it harder to lift your man again? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you girls, personally with me, I don't know why 75% of the time, why my man is low when it is. And it makes it so difficult to pinpoint what I need to do to uplift it again. So I wanted to share some things I think about and reflect on when I don't know, because trust me, I know how difficult and frustrating it can get. And I know many of you will also feel the same way. So let's unravel this and let's really dig down and think about what is affecting our Dean, okay? And this is us looking at all of the aspects that we have in our life whether that's through work whether that's through salah our family our friends all of these inputs okay that can really affect the quality of our focus and our motivation when it comes to islam Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the e-Muslima podcast. This is episode one where we identify the things that cause our iman to be low. So let's dive in. So when your iman is low one of the first things that I do is I look at my salah. Am I pray, praying all five of them or even at least trying to? There's a big difference between attempting to pray your salah, but not all five, and just praying all five without any sincerity or a sense of reflection. So for example, the way I think of it is, is if you are praying all five and you are doing it with sincere intentions and you're really thinking about what you're saying, you're studying the words of the Quran, the words of Allah, and you are implementing it into your salah and you really do think it through, then to be honest, your salah is fine if you're doing it with complete sincerity. However, if you're rushing through your salah and you're not thinking about exactly what you're saying and what you're thinking, then that sincerity, I'm going to be honest with you, is gone and it needs to come back because salah is the only thing, it's that last thread that keeps you focused on your deen. It is the first thing that Allah is going to ask us on the day of judgment, our salah. Do you see how valuable that is? That is the most valuable thing ever. It is given to us in this world that is not, you know, allowing us to feel safe, okay? But Allah has given us salah as a form of protection, okay? It's our worship to Allah, okay? It's our moment five times a day to speak to Allah about what we're feeling. And if that sincerity isn't there and that genuineness is gone, then your salah is something to focus on. And we need to think about the solutions here. If you aren't doing your salah on time, if you find yourself rushing through your salah and not prioritizing it, then let's look at these solutions. Number one, work your life around salah. So for example, we have Fajr, Zuhur, Asr, Maghrib, Esha, right? So let's think of it as five pillars. Not the five pillars of Islam, but just think of it as five pillars that are embedded in your life. They're like statues. They don't move, okay? And your life, you work your life around those statues, around those pillars, okay? Make time for your salah. Your salah is the only thing that's going to be taken to you. Obviously other things as well, but it's going to be one of the things that's taken to you into your grave. Not the other things that you do in life, not your work, not your family, not your friends. So definitely think about it in that way. And once you do that, once you establish that, then you have this successful routine for your salah. And I think that is one of the main things that us Muslims struggle with. A second solution is if you're somebody that doesn't pray consistently, then do not overwhelm yourself by 
by praying all five from the get-go. Especially especially when you have that sudden urge of motivation where you think, right, okay, that's it. I'm going to pray all five of my salah. I'm going to go for it. And then as you're doing it, you're doing it consistently for two, three days, then you get burnt out. Then that motivation goes because you're tired. You don't have time for it. Work is building up. Your family's stressing you out. Your friends are giving you a hard time. All of these things are building up. So the first thing that I would recommend personally from my personal opinion um, is start off with one. If you have the intention to pray Salah, start off with one and make sure it's sincere. Study what you're learning. Study the Surahs that you're going to say and really focus on it. And if you do this bit by bit, then inshallah, your Salah will become naturally an investing moment in your life. And it's going to be a good habit. And also remember that Allah rewards you for how hard you try for him, for the sake of Allah. Okay. And sometimes the journey to doing your obligatory acts of worship the correct way, sometimes the journey is actually more rewarding than the actual good deed itself because Allah can see you struggle for him Allah can see that you are putting him before your worldly affairs and he can see the beauty in that and there is a lot of beauty in the struggle that we face so as an act of motivation you know don't ever be disheartened if you're not praying all five obviously that is the goal that is for we have to pray our five salahs five times a day but just remember you having the intention and trying your best is what Allah loves so I want you to give your maybe 30 seconds just pause this podcast and reflect and reflect on why you think give yourself 30 seconds to just pause this podcast and think about your salah okay think about the changes that you need to make also i know of some sisters that struggle to make wudu before doing their salah and yes it can be a struggle in the morning having to wake up at you know 5 a.m for fajr and it's very cold in the morning and tiring to get up and have cold water all over your face your hands your feet but honestly again that's an example of a struggle and it might sound petty and you might think some people might think well hang on a minute you're just putting water on your face like get over it but to be honest it can be a struggle for people no matter how small or big the struggle is you know if it's preventing you from working hard on your deen regardless it is a struggle and it is something that you need to work on also how i think of it is is that if you have that good intention okay where it's like i really want to pray my salah and i really have the intention to but i can't can't be bothered to make wudu then just pray your salah and ask for forgiveness it's not the best advice and i'll admit it But if your heart is taking you into the right direction to Allah, then go with it. You can work on your wudu. But one salah is better than doing none. And ask for forgiveness. Again, it's between you and Allah. Your story is just between you and Allah. Nobody sees what you're like behind closed doors. And nobody needs to put an input in it. So really do think about that. What tends to happen is where people think to themselves, and I'm using wudu as an example. I really want to pray, but I can't be bothered to wudu. Let me just not pray at all. That is the shaitan. Whisper in your ears telling you hang on a minute you can't even do wudu so your prayer is going to be invalid so just don't bother with it again if you have that little spark inside your heart that is motivating you to get up and pray just do it even if you struggle doing wudu just do it ask for forgiveness talk to Allah about it make salah into routine and whether it's going to be valid or not that's up to Allah that's not for me to say I'm not um, somebody giving dawa but that is for Allah that is between you and Allah so just do it bit by bit do not overwhelm yourself and as soon as you're doing these baby steps in your salah consistently that when you look back at it you're gonna think wow i've made one big jump but it took time to make that jump and that's perfectly normal because being consistent is something that allah loves if you're trying for allah consistently let's move to the second reason look at how you're viewing the quran 
And what do you do with it? Do you just read it and that's it? Or do you actually ponder over some of the verses? Do you take time to sit down and gain extra knowledge from it and implement it into your life? Do you only read the Quran because you love to read and understand it? Or do you only read it because you have to? A hard lesson that I learned was that I struggled with reading Quran because I never took the time to actually think about what I was reading. And all of a sudden I did and and I made it a sort of habit. Obviously I'm still working on that habit. That habit, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's not very consistent, but I'm trying and when I do try and it works wow subhanallah I can see the biggest effect alhamdulillah and it really did make me want to read the Quran more out of love rather than having to do it as an obligatory act of worship subhanallah the sense of contentment and fulfillment you feel when you read the meaning of the verses and actually implement it into your life is such a heartwarming feeling and you start to do your ibadah more out of love rather than doing it because it's obligatory and you see yourself doing it naturally imagine subhanallah you're at this stage of life where you are implementing the words of Quran the words of the hadith into your life through your actions without thinking about it you are gaining reward without even thinking about it and i think that is the best aim that you can have with your deen in my personal opinion even if it's a small verse try and look into it and connect with it because it really is uplifting subhanallah and you just feel more at peace and more connected with your iman just remember there is a big difference between someone reading the entire quran 100 times but not knowing what they're reading compared to someone who has read it once but knows exactly what they're reading i want to see from you girls here so many of you have probably gone through this same exact experience that I have growing up so when I was younger I had well we call it in my culture mesab which is your Quran teacher your Arabic teacher the person that teaches you Quran and I remember we only just had to read the verses and try and memorize surahs but I never once I'm not blaming him anything for it but I never once got asked to learn the meaning of it you know I never got asked to learn the meaning to really engage with it from a young age and I just think it's so important especially growing up and you know young people um, we get influenced by the things when we were when we are younger okay through our parents through friends through events experiences in our life and I'm just reflecting and I just think that if I looked back and I really did understand the meaning of the Quran when I was at a young age I honestly think that I would be in a different position right now I would have a different perspective of the Quran obviously my perspective is positive alhamdulillah but in terms of engaging with the Quran I think that would have been a much better habit and I think a lot of us had an Arabic teacher who just taught us how to read and recite but not to actually implement it not to actually delve into the meaning and I think you know there's actually more barakah when you actually implement and understand the words of Allah because you're going to start doing things without thinking about it when you're implementing the words of the Quran of Allah into your daily life Okay, moving on to a more personal reason. So when your mind is low, look at your relationship with your parents. Are you keeping in touch with them if you're away from them? Are you holding in your anger when they tell you off or tell you you're not allowed to do something? Alhamdulillah, if you have both parents or even one, are you grateful for what they do or do you take them for granted? If your parents are old, how much are you actually doing to take care of them and provide them at their old age? Do they feel secure that you'll look after them when they're old slash are old or are they scared and afraid that you'll abandon them are you neglecting their opinions how often do you see them if you are away these are questions these are reflection questions that you need to ask yourself so take a minute or two to pause this podcast and really ponder over those questions because these are examples of questions that I ask myself and I ask my friends and family if they're having parental issues so many things could be said about this topic and personally for me alhamdulillah my parents really do remind me of my deen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so being away from them when I go to I don't know uni well I'm not in uni anymore but 
when I go and do my job, when I go to work. And sometimes when I do go to work, it kind of, or if I'm away for a long period of time, it does make it difficult to be reminded about my true focus because obviously your parents are your role models. They are the ones that have introduced you to Islam. Because if you were born into a family who are all Muslims, then of course you're going to be introduced to Islam by your parents foremost. So I feel like this is a big aspect of my life and it could be a big aspect of your life that can impact your own man is how you are with your parents. One of the biggest things that I'm so grateful to Allah for that I did growing up is praying salah with my mom, especially Esha salah and especially like the hajjud these days as well, which is so uplifting. You know, praying with your mom. I don't know about you girls, but praying with my mom, my number one figure, the person that I love the most is the most amazing experience that you could ever have. And in terms of getting in touch with your deen as well, for some reason, I just, after I finish praying, I feel like all of my worries and my stress are gone. I'm speaking to Allah about it, but also I have my mum who's inspiring me to keep going and seeing my mum make dua on her prayer mat is I don't know what it does but it just makes me feel so happy and so blessed to have her in my life not just her but also my dad as well and I think having those moments those religious moments where you're praying your salah with your parents you're not gonna get that experience for an unlimited amount of time you're not gonna get that experience so really do make the most of it because you'll never know when they're not going to be around. You never know when you're not going to be around. And you don't want to regret things. And you don't want your parents to regret not spending time with you either. Also, another thing, have time for your parents. Make conversations with them. I know it sounds so easy and it's probably not the most detailed advice. But it is the most truest advice that I could give regarding parents. As we grow up, you know, when we're young, when we're children, when we're teenagers growing up, living in our Muslim households, it is difficult but we don't realize it's difficult because we are so needy and we're always wanting our parents to do things for us and then when we have that one ounce of responsibility that we're growing up so when we're dealing with our exams when we're dealing with university when we're dealing with the work we're growing up growing up we're having more responsibilities to take on we don't have time for friends we slowly drag ourselves away from our parents naturally because we're spending more time being focused on other things but one thing that we are forgetting the fact that we're growing up we forget that our parents are growing old and they want us there and you might not realize it but you need your parents you need to spend time with them for your mental health for your mental state and think about how important parents are in islam you know allah loves it when we spend time with our families with our loved ones it's sunnah and it's so important the way we treat our parents when our parents in, are in need we have to help them regardless it might take time but we have to think about all of the things that our parents have done for us they have brought us up they have given us education they really have have made us into the person that we want to be and I just think you know doing things in this world I couldn't give enough to my parents for what they've done for me I could work and work and work I could give them uh, billions of pounds or dollars whatever you want to say and it still won't be enough okay the thing that we want for our parents is Jannah and that's the main thing and making dua for them is definitely one of the biggest forms of love that you could give to them sometimes I sit back and I think my parents have done so much for me you know they're immigrants they came from Bangladesh they grew up here well they didn't grow up here my dad grew up here and he worked so many jobs gave money back home 
married my mom, brought her here, and they went through a lot whilst I was growing up. My dad would work and work and work. He had a period in his life where we he had a day job and he had a night job as well. And I wouldn't, I would barely see him, but that's because he's out there working for me and my brother and my mom. And he kept doing that. And you know, throughout school, he wanted me and my brother to have the best education. So he worked so many jobs and hours and he provided us with tuition. Tuition is so expensive, guys like it is so expensive and you know my dad had to pay like 60 pound per hour for my chemistry tutor it was wild and I just think he's doing it for us and now growing up I need to do that for him we need to do it for our parents and it makes me so emotional because I think wow like alhamdulillah I have such amazing parents because there are some parents out there who don't even care about their children who don't care about their children children's education um just a bit of you know personal info on me I am a school teacher I'm a secondary chemistry teacher and I have come across so many of my girls so many of my students who have parents when I call the parents the parents don't care about their education and I just think like this is wild you know and that's when we have to take a step back and think alhamdulillah alhamdulillah for our family alhamdulillah for having parents who are muslim alhamdulillah I have parents who have only ever showed me the positives of islam who have educated me and who have strengthened my knowledge in islam if I do do something wrong my parents what they do they implement Islam into it they tell me you know Rizwana you're doing this wrong because Islam says because because Allah says in the Quran in the Hadith it says and by having those reminders Alhamdulillah I am so grateful so look at your parents strengthen your relationship with your parents and it isn't a quick thing to do it is a work in progress but again a little progress is better than making no progress with them number four When your man is low, look at your relationship and look at your company. The people who you surround yourself with, other than your immediate family, play a huge role in your life. And this is where you can be easily influenced and follow their footsteps where they are going in, especially if they're going in the wrong direction. So let's ask these few questions to myself and to you as well. Do your friends remind you of the Akhirah? Do they want to see you in Jannah? Do they want you to be the best version you can be of yourself? Do they uplift you mentally or bring you down? This is a very important question, by the way, that I raise in my head all the time when my iman is low. Are your friends toxic? As in, is there jealousy and competition involved? Do they encourage you to do the wrong things? Do they talk about their sins in such a casual manner where they normalize it and you don't see anything wrong with it or they don't see anything wrong with it, which is making you not see anything wrong with it? Are these the friends who want to be, who you want to see in Jannah? Are these the friends who you want to be in Jannah with? When your iman is low, do they help you stay strong do they remind you of the deen do they remind you of allah when your iman is low biggest question again do they backbite and gossip behind other people's back when you hang out with someone who portrays these negative qualities slowly you will think it's okay and start to adapt their way of thinking and how they're living So give yourself a reality check because if they can't benefit you in this world that is so temporary they will never be able to benefit you in the hereafter, which is permanent. Friends are an integral part of life. Growing up, you'll be influenced by the things they do and say. So it's really wise and very important to keep the most spiritual, the most religiously motivated friends around. I'm going to tell you a bit of backstory, a little bit about myself, and I'm sure many of you girls can relate to this too. 
Growing up, I was in a very white dominated area. So I had a lot of white friends and I'm not gonna lie to you, I wasn't involved in Islam that much. My dean was low. I was prioritizing other things like friendship issues and all of these things above my issues when it came to Islam. And a lot of my you know, non-Muslim friends were very much engaged in haram. And even though Alhamdulillah wasn't ever persuaded doing the worst of haram, I did have haram elements within me. Now, I went off to university. I went off to university. I went to a uni in London that was very diverse. So many Muslims. It was a massive culture shock for me. And as soon as I went in, I met a few girls. A few girls wearing the hijab. This was my first time wearing the hijab, by the way, which will be another story. And I remember you know, I was surrounded with them. And I had this perception where it's where I thought, and I thought it was a bit naive of me, but if I saw a girl wearing the hijab, that means they're instantly good. They're very good Muslims. They're going to help me with my deen. Turns out those girls that I was with, I eventually saw that they were being engaged in haram too. And I just thought to myself, okay, let me just see how I get along with this. Then I saw myself Astaghfirullah doing haram. I was so lost. I was so lost. Despite wearing the hijab, I was so lost. Astaghfirullah. I just didn't know where I was going. I was just thinking, hang on a minute, but I've got Muslim friends. They should give me good company. Just because you wear a piece of, you know, cloth on your head, just because you cover up fully does not mean you are following Allah the way you should follow Allah. And then I met this amazing, amazing friend and I'm still, alhamdulillah, in contact with her today. And I just remember every time she spoke, it would just be the words of Allah. It would just always be the words of Allah or the words of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And I just thought to myself, Alhamdulillah, I'm getting such good energy from this girl that I was with. And eventually, slowly, slowly, we became good friends. And Alhamdulillah, I have a, you know, I have a reason, I, I have a strong feeling why she's in my life today and why Allah has kept her there. Because she always does remind me of Islam. And that's when I realized friends really do affect the way you are in your deen. And you don't realize it. You don't realize it. Because we all have this thing of fear of missing out. We all have FOMO. We all want to be hooked into what our friends are doing because we don't want to be left out. Friends who care for you and who genuinely care for you are the friends who want to see you in the hereafter. Your friends will vouch for you in the hereafter on judgment day. And if you don't have friends like that, they should not be your friends from the first place. And that is one of the biggest reminders that I have told to myself before I could share it with you guys. Islam acknowledges the importance of friends in one's life. Therefore, it emphasizes on the selection of right friends. The first thing that becomes clear is the fact that Allah the Almighty acknowledges friendship as a factor that is important to the life of a person. Therefore, making friends is not something out of Islam. Rather, friends are acknowledged as a relationship in Islam. The second thing that becomes clear in Islam is that, you know, it's very obvious that the kind of friend that one has has the greatest role to play in what a person gets in the life hereafter. Those who get paradise will definitely have their friends as their partners because they all contributed in the life of each other and followed the path of righteousness. On the other hand, the ones who receive hell as a reward of their deeds will complain about their friends and lament upon the fact that it is following their unrighteous friends that has resulted in the plight of theirs. Therefore, it is imperative that a Muslim has righteous friends. And it 
it's just vital to have that good company. And you know what? It might be difficult as you're growing up to realize this. I definitely, definitely was one of the girls that found it very difficult to focus on Islam because of my company. And I've realized it, I think, five years later, four years later. And that's okay because there are some people, and you know what? This is a subhanAllah moment. You know, we should be so grateful for the fact that Allah has given us that realization. We should be so grateful because Allah can leave some people in that state where they're just with the wrong friends. And Allah, you know, might not ever get that person out of that situation. So we need to be so grateful for that. So Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah that, you know, we've had that realization. And hopefully this is a realization for you as well. Number five, when you're a man is low, look at your sins. We all sin and we all sin in different ways. Don't compare your minor sins with someone's major sins. Don't think that you are better than them because your sins are minor and theirs are major. Acting like this shows arrogance and that itself is a major sin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows we will sin, whether it is major or minor, but it is how we deal with it. Do we repent? It's all about repentance. One of the promises Allah made was that he would forgive the sins of a believer if they repented. Never underestimate the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way you deal with your sins really makes or breaks your iman. Please, please, please don't ever feel like Allah won't forgive you if you sin. Because that is how the majority of us think. But I promise you that is all from shaitan. Shaitan wants you to feel like you can't go back to Allah and that Allah will not love you. Shaitan loves it when the believers of Allah are depressed and that their sin has made them turn away from repentance because that is when you are the most vulnerable to Shaitan. The best outcome you can get from sinning and to be honest the most beautiful way to reform your man is that when you sin, whether that's major or minor, you repent and you get back up on your two feet and go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You start doing more good deeds from it to make you not dwell over the sin. Whether that's giving charity, helping someone, reading Quran, listening to surahs, praying with a sincere and clean heart. All of this will outweigh the sin, I promise you. Please don't ever, ever underestimate the mercy of Allah. His kindness is greater than his wrath. He sees that you try and try and he will reward you more for trying than the actual good deed. Subhanallah. Don't ever forget that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, unlike people, can see all of our pain and struggles and most importantly our efforts. People don't need to see our efforts because our efforts aren't valued by people. Allah values our efforts. So when you sin, look at how you deal with it. Do you start sinning more because you've already done it once due to the thought that Allah will not forgive you or love you? Or do you sin but repent and get back up again and defeat shaitan's influence by turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Also, do you openly share your sins with others? Do you repent even when you sin privately? Have you normalized all of your minor sins? That is a very big question to ask. So have a moment again, pause this podcast to quickly reflect on it and think about what you think of that question. One of the things that have benefited me the most is waking up in the morning and setting out three goals. Setting out three goals that will help me you know, stay away from sin as much as possible. Again, we don't know what's going to happen, but at least I can set my intention right when I start the morning, okay? Because Allah has given me another day. Allah has given you another day to make a difference to yourself. Ask for forgiveness because it's so scary, but one day you will never get that opportunity. And we will be crying to Allah in our graves. We will be crying, asking Allah to return us to the world so we can do better. Asking Allah for forgiveness. The fact that you are listening to this podcast, Allah has given you an opportunity, you know, stop this podcast and go and repent. And that's what I try to do. So what I did was I had these three intentions. 
And for example, it was something like if I'm speaking to people and there's backbiting from maybe other Muslims or non-Muslims, then I've removed myself away from the circle. I don't know if that situation will happen, but at least I've made that intention and that's going to stay in my mind. My second intention I remember writing was try as much as I can to help other people. Wherever I find the opportunity, just help. Or smile at someone. Smiling is a form of charity, it's sunnah. Doing these little things and doing more good deeds will wipe out your minor sins or even your major sins, depending on Allah, what Allah wants. And I think that is the beauty of it, setting your intentions clear and reminding yourself throughout the day to not sin. Another solution, well, it's what worked for me, is being self-aware. Now, when you're sinning, sometimes people sin and, and I've been there, people sin and they don't realize that they're sinning. That's why it's so important to have a moment where you are just self-aware and that you are self-reflecting. So maybe that's why we have salah. So we can, it's an opportunity for us to ask Allah for forgiveness. So maybe sit on your prayer mat and just think to yourself and pray to Allah and make dua and ask Allah for forgiveness for any sins that you didn't realize that you committed throughout the day because you weren't self-aware. But it's also having that opportunity to repent, but also reminding yourself, and again, this is a reminder to me, is to just stay self-aware, you know, evaluate the situation, really do look back and think, okay, I've done something wrong, let me repent. And then my last solution is before you go to bed, ask Allah for forgiveness because you might not wake up the next day. You might not wake up for your next prayer. Any opportunity that you have in the day, one of the things I always tell myself, and it's a big reminder to myself, ask for forgiveness and tell Allah what you're grateful for. Because there's only a very few people, handful of people in the world that are actually grateful to Allah. We take things for granted and it's normal, we all do. But it's having that moment, that realization check where we have to check in with Allah. So having those conversations with Allah is actually a lot easier than you think it is. It's way better than having those conversations with people because people don't understand us. Only our creator, only our Lord understands us because he is the one who made us. And I think that is the beauty of it, having those conversations with Allah. Speak to Allah as if he's your best friend. You know, that's how I do it. I tell Allah absolutely everything. And it is the most, it's the best feeling in the world, telling Allah everything that happens in your life. You know, ranting to Allah, that's what I do a lot. I just think my Lord will understand me. People won't. Okay, so anytime you sin, please, please, please make it a, you know, routine where you just sit down somewhere and you just ask Allah for forgiveness if you haven't done so already. Maybe pause this podcast now and talk to Allah. Gonna wrap it up now and end the podcast here, but it was such a lovely experience sharing these things with you guys. And please, please, please don't hesitate to message me on Instagram. The Instagram is for this podcast is e Muslima Podcast on Instagram. DM me with any questions and any queries. And to be honest, I think inshallah I'll have a segment where I answer your guys's questions, and you guys can also tune into my podcast. And we can have a conversation. We can have a nice conversation between all the sisters from around the world. And I think that is going to be a nice uplifting community. Um, but yes, take care, inshallah, and be happy as always. Assalamu alaikum.